Hello and welcome to Three Books with Doye. I am your host, Doye Lemi Awolalu. My guest for this episode is Toyosi. She's a medical doctor and my very good friend. In this episode, we talked about her books, Pride and Prejudice, Unbearable Lightness of Being, and Blackers. And just a side note, this is an old conversation I had with Toyosi sometime last year. Hey, Tersi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. I'm alive and well. And um, how's your week been? Well, it's it's been good. It's been good. Generally, it's been good. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's been fine. All right. Um, How does it feel doing this thing finally? We've been on this thing for almost three months. I hope I hope they know that it's your fault. My fault. Ah, okay. Yes, I won't argue. <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue. All right. Um, well, actually, yes. I'm 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 really glad we're finally doing it. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And I pray. <laughs> Imagine nothing. we take it into 2021. It's, it's something that's very possible, highly possible. Being you, it's very possible. But Wait, what does that mean? Um. And now that we're in December, how does it feel like this December feeling? Are you are you feeling December in the air? Oh, actually, there's nothing. December is just a general month for me. I don't usually you know, get festive. Why so? Why so? Too. Maybe you should tell tell the listeners like why December isn't really a thing for you. Because that is okay. First of all, I guess because of location. And mm. I've been here for about, say, four to five years now, so... Yeah, I China, guess that's why. China, China, say it. <laughs> <laughs> say it. <laughs> Fine, I'm in China. Okay. So, but I think, naturally, I didn't... Even without being in China, I'm just not... Not that a December person. The December hype, the dirty December thing. But maybe, maybe in future, who knows? Mm. This year, this year has to be different. Um, you have to ah, make okay. make yourself in in tune with the Christmas frenzy. Um, <laughs> How about you? Why do you laugh? Why do you laugh? <laughs> um, for me, yes, I'm happy that the year is about to end because it has been a really, really, really unique year for me. And I guess for everyone too. So it's great to see that the year is coming to an end finally. And I, I hope mm. that this Wait. year would be um different. I mean this month will be different from the other months. Like better. Way better. Yeah, you wanted but, to ask something. I mean, do you think do you think the ending of the year would actually change things? I mean No, it's just I'm being hopeful. Oh, I'm being okay. hopeful. You're about to wear your skeptic hat now and asking me all these damn <laughs> deep, deep questions. <laughs> no, I just, I just. We'll get there. We've not got to there yet. To see, we'll wait, wait. It's just interesting to see people. Even a lot of people have been doing it now, saying, "Okay, when the new year comes, things mm-hmm. will change." But it's like, how? It wouldn't just automatically change. Yeah. I I think it's just this collective, this collective hopefulness, um, okay. that. Because the next year is coming, everybody collectively would be excited about it 
and the year ending and next year coming so that collective excitement is meant to make the month better i think um yeah, but I you know it was the collective excitement and the festivity that, you know, helped spread COVID last year. But not thanks to you guys, by the way. Wait, what is <laughs> not, not thanks to your people. Guys, I'm Nigerian. Oh my goodness. Now you're claiming Nigeria. <laughs> I'm Nigerian, okay. <laughs> Alright. Um so But it's good to be hopeful. Yeah, yeah, it, we, we, we actually have to be hopeful. It's because of all these shenanigans we've been going through. Um, and, of yeah. course, there's Christmas, um, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Supposed birth, anyways. However, it is meant to... <laughs> it is meant to, to like, um put us in the mood of celebration to get like the king yeah, was yeah. born on this day and yeah all that you eat party rice you wear christmas clothes you dirty the <laughs> december all that stuff um so should let's let's move on to to the book instantly because of time so that we can have enough time to talk about them so tersi what are your three books um so i chose pride and prejudice by mm-hmm. jane austen the Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera and Black Ass by Egoni Barrett. Okay, so you're going with Pride and Prejudice first, yeah? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, the book Pride and Prejudice, it was written by Jane Austen, I think in 1814. And it's about this family called the Bennett family. Okay. Uh, you have this man with five daughters who were unmarried. That was the, I think, major issue about the girls being unmarried. So they're this average family. They're not so rich. They're not so poor. And the mom was actually quite desperate to get them married. Because mm. I think the wealth would go to, has to go to a man in the family. Yeah. So she was trying to marry them off quite early. No, as soon as possible. So uh, the general like description for the man was... Thing. Yeah, like, she was so desperate, like, you guys are ready for marriage, you're ripe, and you're yeah. still at home, <laughs> that see, kind of vibe. Not ripe, let's food. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what they see. Mm. You're already due like, for marriage, you're already ripe for marriage. Did they mention ripe in the book? No, I'm talking about African parents. Oh, I see, I see. Otikmo. <laughs> <laughs> And they're always plucky flower, remember? So yeah, I mean yeah. they like they like releasing it to nature. Uh, no, this don't they should not deflower you that, that kind of thing. Like <laughs> I don't understand African people on flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, mm. so the man the the general description for the man would be he was smart, he was sarcastic. But also, I think he was a bit irresponsible with his, you know, uh, the responsibilities as a father. He was a little bit, you know, too relaxed with it. Then Do the mom was seen as foolish. He, sorry, sorry for um, stopping your train of thought there. But do you think it's because he had only girls? That was why I was a bit relaxed about the fatherhood thing. What he didn't really care so much. I I honestly don't know. It could be because maybe he, um, the mom was making 
more effort i don't know what it was but also it could be that the woman was doing way too much and he felt too relaxed with it okay or he's just generally irresponsible because and some um scenarios that occurred in the book like there was a part where one of the girls um ran off with uh someone mm-hmm. he wasn't so disturbed like it wasn't like he wasn't so disturbed but he didn't put so much effort it had to it was someone else i think the uh, relative yeah it was the relative that did so much to actually save the girl's dignity and all of that yeah. he was just so calm it was a chilled father i guess i don't know why but maybe anyways the woman was seen as foolish and you know this kind of loud her major her major thing was about the girls getting married and i think she she was she must have been so happy when this rich bachelor comes into the village i think he rented a manor and he he was single extremely rich so he comes in and the woman was the mom was disturbing the father like you have to go and visit them i think they had this sort of tradition where you would have to visit pay them a visit something like that so introductions were made and the man actually the bachelor mr bingley actually liked the first daughter who was jane she was this relaxed kind of you know mm-hmm. very good girl vibe very calm not disturbing kind of vibe i don't know then the second girl elizabeth was a bit rebellious quite intelligent she would also be seen as sarcastic i Mm. think she took more of her father's characters than the mom's anyways and then you had the last three were not so we shouldn't focus on anyway so mr (laughs) bingley comes into town with his friend Because they were not so important to me. Oh. I mean, they were a little bit, you know, all over the place because they were uh, younger. So I guess maybe they were in their teenage years. So oh, okay. Boys were shacking them. <laughs> but aside from that, yeah, I don't think much focus was put on them. Like, if you're trying to summarize the book, yeah, Just you could actually do away with them. To... Yes, especially the second, the pride and prejudice about the second really? daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Mr. Bingley's friend, Mr. Darcy, is this arrogant, tall, charming guy. But he was seen as arrogant, and people actually disliked him. And the first interaction he had with Elizabeth, who was the second daughter, was quite sad. So it was at the ball, and he was supposed to dance with somebody, and he refused to dance, and he was like, oh, she's not handsome, and all of that. They used you know, handsome. then they usually used handsome. Really? Sorry? I was asking if he actually used handsome, so... Yeah, you know, then they use, they use handsome to describe the women as well. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, most, most classical books, they usually say handsome. I don't know why, but... Yeah. So he said she was not handsome, Shasha. And he, so both parties did not like each other. And he told her to her face. I think she heard, not that he told her to her face. Okay. Yeah, I think she just heard. But I think it's this kind of general thing where everybody hears everything. So Mm. she heard. But she wasn't so, she wasn't mad at at the 
you know, observation. Mm-hmm. I, she just did not like him as well. And a lot of people did not like him. So it, it, it was more like, okay, the problem is from the guy. Just because he's rich, he's probably the problematic guy. <laughs> anyway, subsequent interactions with Elizabeth, Mr. Darcy realizes that, oh my gosh, she's intelligent. She's actually pretty. But Elizabeth doesn't even like him anymore. So I guess that's where pride comes in. Okay. So they were both proud. To be very honest, they were actually both proud. And then you have two other characters being introduced, major characters being introduced. You have um, Mr. Collins, who was like a relative of Mr. Bingley. And he was the one that was going to inherit the family's possessions, whatever little it was. Mm-hmm. And he liked Elizabeth, but she wasn't interested. But then what was interesting was that Elizabeth's best, Elizabeth's best friend, I can't remember her name, <clears throat> she decided to marry Mr. Collins just for the financial um, security. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, let me just marry him for the money, that kind of vibe. <clears throat> and I think, they intention, I think Jane intentionally put that in the book just to make us realize that it's not always fairy tale. You find a man, you marry, blah blah blah. There's also this part where you just marry, just you know, <laughs> to to make do with in life. Um, we have two other inter- um introductions into the book. Um, one is Mr. Collins, who was a relative of Mr. Bennett, and I think he was supposed to inherit the family's fortune. He was also looking for a wife, anyways, and he liked Elizabeth. But Elizabeth actually did not like him at all. But her friend, I can't remember her name, was interested, not for love or anything. She just wanted the financial security. And I think the reason why that um, episode was brought into the book into the book is just to give us an idea that it's not always so rosy, like, you know, the fairy tale kind of love. There's also that part of reality where... We just have to, you know, do the things we do just to make do. Yes, the gas hustle. Because who's going to pay the children's school fees? (laughs) Who's going to take care of you? Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of vibe. So, Auntie married for the the money. So, I don't forget. Yeah. Um, Are you... What's your take on marrying someone because of the financial benefits and hoping that with time you... You, you, yeah, you grow to love that person, right? Yeah. So the thing is, with love, I feel like you basically can decide, not decide, but you can choose who you love. So it's possible. I'm not for that personally, but I think it's possible for you to actually decide to marry a person because of money and Mm -hmm. then hope that you get to love if you if you do research you realize a lot of people are not even married for love mm-hmm. some are married for looks some are married for security some are married because pastor said so some are married because family connections lots of things are into the matter mm-hmm. Fair enough. also i don't think we marry for love generally really? we do really? not marry for love really we marry for other things that actually push love or represent love so that love, love represents love seems like the secondary part of it yes if you decide to make love the primary goal then you're still probably childish and you have no understanding of how marriage works because 
people would definitely fall out of love now when they fall out of love what's still standing you have commitment compromise money but, but, but I think, very important I, I, I think i think that's what love is the commitment the compromise i think that is what it is yes, i think that's you are, what you are, that's th- no those things are representing no those are the things love represents so without that what exactly is love because i feel you can't just say love what is love mm. What is love to you might not be love to me. That's the thing. So, if love, love is just an emotion. It's just a mixture of hormones. But what is it representing? That's the major thing, right? So, mm. we don't necessarily marry for love. This is just hormones. I love food. But I can't marry food, right? So. What kind of analogy is that? This guy. Which <laughs> 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 kind of analogy is that? <laughs> All right, so um, that was just a slight segue. So continue with your, um, Okay, so basically, to summarize, because I think time is going, pride and prejudice. The pride and prejudice was majorly about, um, what's her name? Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. So they were both proud. And then I think the prejudice came in. I think the pride because obviously Mr. Darcy was rich and Elizabeth was beneath him. If we're just going to, you know, mm-hmm, be mm-hmm, realistic, yeah. she was beneath him. But uh, then the prejudice came in when there was this guy called Wickham who comes into the book and he's saying that Mr. Darcy ruined his life. But this guy is just basically a hustler. He's just looking for a young girl who has money and he can just you know take advantage of yeah but elizabeth didn't know that and she totally believed what wickham said so and she kind of um, and she understood where her friend was um sorry the prejudice came in in a way that when she was trying to judge her friend for marrying for money mm-hmm. she was a bit um what's it called she wasn't what's that word she was impartial yeah but when she was listening to Wickham's story because Wickham had this history with Darcy's sister she was a bit partial so she was prejudiced for some reason I think just because Mr. Darcy was involved okay she didn't necessarily like like, she made she made judgment without you know just because of the character yeah she wasn't she was partial yeah that was where the prejudice came in for me anyways so she understood she understood Wickham who basically was a crook because Darcy was involved but when he came with her friend marrying for financial security she was you know okay these are the principles you don't do this you don't do that that sort of vibe but later on she realizes it because Darcy explains what happened and all of that and they realize they like each other uncle proposed she said no at first but then later they came in together elizabeth, they ended up yeah. together first huh elizabeth yeah elizabeth married darcy and jane married um mr bingley hmm. so so it was uh, a very nice love story um so another question of mine is why is this book what it is why is it why is it so popular? It's not like there is anything um, very extraordinary about the plot, right? So why is it? Why do you think it's this popular? 
I think it comes with the author. I think Jane became popular after she died. One and two, I think uh, everyone likes fairy tale. I don't know why, but I just like the book anyway. You liked it. Too. I like everything Jane Austen. So you've read all our books? Uh, not all, but I think I have about four. I, I have Emma, I have Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice. I think I have something Manfield's Park. I just like her book. I just like it. It's just mm. something you can read. Just calm yourself. It's not something serious, you know, yeah. just to get away from life. Why Fair do you enough. think it's popular? Um, I think because she depicts um, ordinary life very, very well compared to other authors. Like ordinary, she, she depicted um, ordinary England um, Regency England, then I think in the eighteenth century, I, I guess. Um, so yeah. she there was there was nothing extraordinary about the plot. It was just like the normal how a normal spinster in the UK were living, how they had it because most of our stuff had to do with romance, marriage, and all. Most of our books, right? If I'm wrong, yeah. Yeah. So basically, just that about the normal way of living so people sometimes would love to escape from these gagan kind of plots like them lord of the rings and all those hobbits or those books and just want to relax and read something that can that can show them reality so to speak but written in words I'm written on yeah, paper. Yeah, it's I mean, like it's quite paper. nice to be able to relate with something. Yes, yes, very. That's that's the word I was well. looking for. It's very relatable. You don't have to think so much and try to imagine what this picture, what this person is actually trying to write or describe. You know what it is from what she's saying. Even the conversations are very, very normal. Do you understand? Yeah. Nothing unique about about them. I watched the movie too, and it was just basically 18th century United Kingdom girls. You get <laughs> looking for husband, so to speak. So I think that's why. And again, the old story behind Jane Austen herself. Um, yeah. So I think our case is um, the author being so famous. The 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 fame of the author so to speak, is what, like, elevates the book itself. True. Do you know how I actually got into Jane Austen? I read this book in secondary school, Adventures of a Jane Austen's Addict. Mm-hmm. So it was about this, you know, regular 21st century girl going through problems. Mm-hmm. I think she just got dumped, work wasn't working, and all of that. Yeah. And then she basically... <laughs> I don't know if she was in a coma, I can't remember, but then... She basically sees herself as Jane, and she went back in time and became Jane. Oh, no. Oh, this is actually interesting, right? Okay, let me see what Jane Austen is all about. That's how I got into her books. And I remember clearly when my mom saw that book, she was like, this book is demonic. How you been reading a book that is talking about somebody going back in time? Oh, did she read it? How did she know? That, that was that was it yeah my mom reads everyone reads in the family oh, so <laughs> not like 
we all just like novels, so mm. different genres, yeah, but yeah. yes, we all read. Fair enough. It's good to have a family that reads. A reading family yeah. is a happy family. <laughs> okay. So, um, we want to move to the second book, um, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Yes, by Milan Kundera. I've been looking forward to this book, really, to discussing this book with you. Please, let them know that I introduced you to the book. I know, I know. Everyone should introduce <laughs> me, but I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you on this book, because it's, okay. it's a beautiful book. It is! It's actually my favorite among these three. Okay. And it's in my top. It's in my top shelf. Yeah, I really wait, like. Wait, the book. wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Before we co- before we, we we continue with this, um, there's something I want to do. Okay. With, with, I did it in the the last episode where you grade your this book. Um, on a scale of zero to ten. What do you think? Uh, is your church mind or no exaggeration? Is it church mind? No, say because people like that book. So, is your church mind? What do you think you would give that book on a scale of zero to ten? Uh, I guess six. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, six. Cause I like Jane, so mm. <laughs> I like her books. I I would give it six. It's a book I've read about three, four times now. So really, yes. I, I don't know. I don't know how people do that. And I read a book, a book multiple times. Oh, I don't know. After a while, you just want to, you know, recap. Okay, so how long do you read a book? On an average, like Jane Austen type type of book, that same length. Uh, sorry. That same length. How long does it take for you to finish that kind of book? If I have nothing to do, I think it, it should take me like two days. So you dedicate two days of your of your of your <laughs> life to read. That, yeah, because I just want to be done times. with it. That's like eight times. Eight no, days. no, 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 no. The thing. <laughs> On an average. The thing is, you you can't do that. The other times, I might have not been so you know into it. Just mm-hmm. you know, just casually reading it. But I think yeah. the first time I read the book, and. The second time, which would be after I watched the movie, I was really into it. But yeah, the other two times it was just general, general. Mm. All right. So the unbearable lightness of being. You have the yeah. floor. So it's a book by Milan Kundera, and the book starts with a comparison of two philosophers. So, pardon me, because I don't really know their names, but one was about um, life, no, just heaviness. I think so. Mm. Again, I think one was Greek and one was... um, Yeah, um, I've forgotten the Greek guy. I've forgotten the Greek guy, but the other one is Frederick Nietzsche, German. Uh So, it was philosophy about heaviness and one was about lightness. So Milan tries to compare life, like relate to life with these two philosophies. So is life heavy or is life um, light? So going into the book, he decides to use two, um, 
two timelines yes but he he tries to compare heaviness and lightness using people's lives so yeah. he tells a story and tries to give the uh the readers the idea okay try to compare do you prefer heaviness or you prefer lightness do they yeah. work together or they're actually you know going in different directions that kind of vibe so he yeah. it brings in two timelines and in the first timeline the lightness and the heaviness kinds of work but in the second timeline it doesn't work so the first timeline is about this guy called thomas and this lady called uh <laughs> oh, yeah. theresa yes i think it's theresa i think so so thomas is a um he's a doctor and he he's also known he's a very good what am i saying good he's a womanizer <laughs> so he's really deep into womanizing <laughs> you could be good and theresa is um sorry you could be good well the like book describes it as like really good so that's why i my guy's just having sex with multiple interesting women. it's not like killing someone <laughs> wow <laughs> interested hmm. you would explain that later to me so uh he thomas basically represents lightness like he sees life just about pleasure just you know jayi calm down relax don't, don't stress yourself you know yeah that kind of vibe i'm just here to relax you know you know he, he basically represents um rema's woman have you heard that song yeah to like woman uh-huh so he represents this very well <laughs> that's how he is i, see, I can bet that's that how he is. i can bet that that guy likes yansh he likes bum bum <laughs> what's his name <laughs> whatever his name thomas yeah i'm sure he likes bum yes bum. <laughs> hmm, i don't know but shasha that's how he is and then you have Teresa, she was a waitress and she represents heaviness in this book, like in this timeline. So she was the uh, she was a waitress and Thomas comes into the bar and he orders a drink. There's a song playing, the classical music playing. Sorry, I'm just trying to recap. <clears throat> mm. Trying to recapitulate, yeah, but fine. I can't remember so well. But that's fine. Yeah. So now one thing that was striking about it is that what Thomas saw as bad signs or red flags, Theresa saw it as uh, good signs for some reason. I don't know if it was because of the feminine nature or something or how they both grow up, but she saw it as a sign of you know, good things. But he saw it as red flags. Yeah. Anyways, they meet. That's, that was where they first met. And then he goes back to his place or his city. I can't remember and she comes with a box i really don't even understand why and how she would think that that, that makes sense but mm. she goes to his place and she was really ill about to die and he felt like she was going to die and he, he was there for her he treated her she got better until did not go back i think and she was staying there and then so they started there's, there. there's something that this guy did thomas did on hers that doesn't want her to be or didn't want her to be sorry so there's something thomas has what or, or did that made us stay 
I don't know. I think so. Maybe taking care of her. I don't know. But your, your guess is as good as mine. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Auntie Shai decided to stay. <laughs> and they were staying together and they started this uh, relationship, sort of. Now, Thomas is this kind of guy that he sees sex and sleeping together as two separate entities. So he's going to have sex with you, but you can't sleep over. Now, Auntie is mm. coming in with a vibe like, okay, I'm coming to have sex with you and I'm going to stay. Mm. So all of these things, like she was, she was messing the whole vibe he had. Yeah. And, but he still couldn't let her go for some reason. And she knew um, he was into womanizing. It wasn't like he was hiding it. That was why it was interesting. Now, it gets more interesting where there was this special mistress called Sabrina. She was also, she also represented lightness. Now, Sabrina comes actually into the two timelines, so she's going to come back again. Mm. So, um, Theresa knew that Thomas and Sabrina were together, and obviously he was also with other like women, but Sabrina, chick, yeah. you know, stood out. Yeah, side chick vibe, but she was like main side chick. Mm. <laughs> so, um, um, Sabrina also represented lightness, anyways, and she was also this fun kind of lady. She stayed in there. She was an artist, but she wasn't this regular, you know, then then artist. So she was a bit more modern. And uh, it, um, they tried to when they um sorry. Uh, what was it? Theresa was having nightmares about mm. Thomas trying to kill her or something like that. No, she was having various nightmares. I can't remember, but various nightmares which represented um, Thomas's um, infidelity. Yeah. And at some point in the book, she decides that she wants to go and meet the mistress. I don't even know what she was thinking. That I, I really still don't understand what she thinks. But she decides to go and meet Sabrina and they were together, and at some point, it almost became sexual. I t- see, the book, eh? <laughs> at some point, it became sexual because she was trying to understand why Thomas was living that sort of life. Yeah. And all of that. She knew it was in, like, she knew what he was doing, but she couldn't let go. He felt like she was a burden, but he couldn't let go either. And at some point, also, and somewhere in the book, he also got jealous. So you're my woman. I don't want you with any other person kind yeah, of vibe, but I yeah. still want to, you know, yeah. be with other women. Yeah. So somehow, somehow, just to summarize, they make it work. Despite the fact that they were burdens on each other, they make it work. Mm-hmm. Also, it's good to note that um, Thomas has a child okay, and yeah. he completely cut them out <laughs> at the beginning before he met Theresa. So he's that kind of guy, like, he doesn't care. He was just there for pleasure. But mm-hmm. because of, I don't know, somehow... Theresa was special to him and he didn't want to let her go. So they worked lightness and heaviness and Thomas represented um, lightness, life, the body. So just pleasure. Theresa represented soul and soul was heavy. So it had meaning. Mm. That sort of vibe. So the book continues. Various things happen. Various scenarios, of course. Finally, they died together. They moved various times, still worked things out. And finally, I think they had an accident, but sort of a happy life. 
not happy, but it worked. That's all I can say. Yeah. Then the second timeline comes in. You have this guy called Franz who was a professor and he was married and he was cheating also with Sabrina again. Now, Franz as well represented heaviness and he saw things. He used to see meaning inside things too much and he was cheating, <laughs> but his wife didn't know at first. Yeah, same as, same as this babe, um, Teresa. Yes, but unfortunately, they didn't work out. Sabrina and Franz did not work out at mm -hmm. all. So the same scenario occurred where Sabrina saw Franz as a burden and at some point he was trying to, you know, um, tie her down. Because at, uh, at a point he went to tell his wife that he was cheating and he's going to break up with her, blah, blah, blah. But that pushed Sabrina out. Unlike Franz, um, unlike Thomas now, he would have tried to, you know, reason and would have not let Teresa go. But Sabrina dumped his ass. Mm. But keynotes to what happened between their relationships was that what um, they brought in various um, words and what it meant to them, like church, um, art, parades, and all of that. Yeah. And they had um, different views. So they were going in different directions. So yeah. that sort of also affected the relationship. So it kind of explains this vibe that, okay, sometimes as two people coming together, Whatever you, when when you bring your perspectives together, if it doesn't work out, it could actually damage the relationship. Mm. I mean, let's leave the infidelity out of it, but they couldn't see eye to eye on certain things, and yeah. it sort of also affected the relationship, and that's why the heaviness and the likeness did not work. Mm. So that's like why I went in different directions. Fundamental values have to be in sync, so to speak, to a degree. Exactly. They don't have to be the same, but they have to be in sync. Mm. And even if they are so different, if compromise doesn't come in, it wouldn't work. So I think that was what happened with them as well. So at the end of the day, Sabrina leaves France and Uncle decides to start dating his student. One of his students, he... I can't remember what happened between them, but yeah, that kind of story. Anyways, the point is the heaviness and the lightness did not work in the second timeline. Mm. Now, the general, my general perspective about the book, why I love the book so much is that anytime you read a book, you are given this um, right, so to say, to judge the characters. But the way Milan constructed the book, it was like you couldn't judge the characters. I could understand where Thomas was coming from, even with the infidelity. You could understand why Teresa was like that. You just had to sympathize with each character. You could not judge them. Mm. So I felt like that was really brilliant to do. Most books wouldn't give you that. Mm. So that's why I really like the book. No, so I, th I think, I think book? Kundera is, is because he's still alive, um, he's one of the greatest novelists that yeah. the world has ever seen in the 20th century. He's, he's insane. He's good. Like the way he brought in philosophy yeah. and he used it those two um, dichotomies, lightness and being, and lightness and heaviness, right? And use them in the sphere of yeah. love. And then also, because th there's something you, you, you feel to, to talk about, the the issue at the moment in Czechoslovakia, because it was it was written in, che in the Czech Republic. It wasn't Czech Republic then, it was Czechoslovakia. 
right? So there was this turmoil going on. It was Czech, yeah. Czech Czechoslovakia was was um, invaded by the communist um, party. That's like them USSR, um, Poland, East Germany, and some other countries. So um, there were people that were trying to expel the communist party from from the from the country and then um there was this turmoil going on in the country and the the country was basically ruled by some totalitarian government that's the communist and milan kondera himself had to leave had to run away from from czech republic or let me use czech republic because that's what um i that what is easier for me to say than saying czechoslovakia but um, he had to run to France. So in in the book, you could see some elements of the unrest, the civil unrest around at that time. And for Kundera yeah. to slightly talk about that, touch the 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 issue going on politically in 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 Czech, and with the love story, and still using all of that the foundation of that is philosophy of those two different things is insane how he built all yeah and all he still found together. he found a way to make like the the, the trauma going on he he brought it into their lives making um i think Teresa got a job as a photographer yeah working for and he showed how patriotic she was Unlike, I think Thomas wasn't so patriotic with it. Yeah, he he's just amazing. The guy's just amazing. <laughs> so, um, which one are you? Are you more of? I do you tilt more to the lightness side or to the heavy side? So the lightness side was, um, I think was taken from Frederick Nietzsche's notion of, um, you only live once. Um, um, that lightness of being yeah. that. A person has only one life to live, and that which occurs in life occurs only once and never again. So just do whatever you have to do because you only have one life, basically. So Thomas was living that kind of life. Just do whatever you have to do. You don't need to think too deeply about certain things that you get. And um, while Teresa was the other one, that everything that happens happens for a reason. And there is something called, I think, eternal recurrence. And whatever you do, something like karma is going to get you back. I don't think you mentioned karma, but something of that nature do you get. So, which one do you think you tilt towards to, um, personally? I think I have an idea, but I may be wrong. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess heaviness, to be very honest, because... No matter how much I want to you know, enjoy life and see life as just pleasure, at some point, even pleasure gets boring, if mm. you think about it. Mm. So, so it would be quite foolish if you are doing to decide just pleasure. I think that's why at the end of the day, Thomas still accommodated Theresa because if you keep you, pleasure repeatedly, I feel you'll get tired. I don't know, but personally. And, and, and yeah, like and, and it, it, it was, aside the love story and aside the political underpinnings and all of that stuff, yeah, there was also an element of this strong motif of um, 
of the hero's journey. So Thomas was trying to move away from just lightness, right? And through Teresa, Teresa was helping him see that life isn't just about yourself. Isn't just about living it the way you seem you feel like living and living it in such a way that um in such a way that seems like life has no consequence or your actions have no consequence. So there was this hero journey was trying to change, his character was changing. I think that was why they could they could live together at the end. Because in a way they both changed they changed each other. Um Teresa too was a bit um a bit lenient with some with certain things. She could overlook certain things about Thomas. And I think that was why both of them could live together at the end. But I think they died. They died at the end, right? They, yeah, they died together. Yeah, accident. So but I think, I think Teresa was a bit... It wasn't leniency. I feel... Even... I feel her changing Thomas wasn't... Um, a conscious decision. Yeah, it wasn't I think she did that subconsciously. Yeah, because she's, you could see that she was so weak, a bit too desperate. Mm-hmm. But it was because of her upbringing. You couldn't really blame her, but it yeah. was because of her upbringing, um, how she grew up, yeah. and what she, what her mom did to her, and all of that. So it wasn't consciously, but yes, that that's true. It, it helped. Mm. Was it, really, it was a bit really annoying at some point. You said what was annoying? Teresa was annoying. Like she did do like Mumu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said I, I said you you refused to, to address that, but I said that Thomas probably did something or has something that made that made her want to stay regardless. Wait, what do you think is that? <laughs> no, that won't be discussed here. We discussed after all. <laughs> no. After this podcast. No, no. Do not, do not contaminate the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, about philosophy, yeah? Because he talked a bit about philosophy. Do you... Is he your thing? Is philosophy your thing? Because I know, I know, I, I had I had this discussion with you before that this book doesn't seem like the kind of book you would you would intentionally go to buy, go like go to a bookshop, and you said no, you had an argument an argument about that. So, but is it your thing? Is it is it something you consciously you would consciously and intentionally want to know about and to learn and read about? Or like if I if I give you examples of philosophical fictional books like this so to speak would you be willing to go read them why if well i give i would say for philosophy the only way i could be so interested is if i take a class (laughs) i i I do plan to take a class at some point in my life (laughs) but i think it would be for a class why but if you see, for, uh? why not for fun? Why class? Why why must it be in the four corners? Of- no, I don't mean like I'm not taking a class for you know jobs or yeah for CV. I mean taking a class. Let somebody teach me about the philosophy. I don't want to go into it myself. Uh, you know, trust yourself. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't. 
I would like someone to start it for me and then I would, you know, go into it myself. But for me to go into it, I, I don't see myself doing it. Mm. And for the books, re- you recommending a book, I think it would be, if it's as captivating as this, I, I did not expect myself to enjoy this book. I would not lie. I just took, I, I took the book just out of, okay, it seems so. This seems different. Yeah. Let's try it. Oh yeah, the books, the books are recommended for you. Did you, did you check them? I haven't yet. Let me expose you here. I've been so busy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. I've been busy actually. But I, I see. Would. I see. I see. So let's move Maybe to the Maybe during thought. the holidays or so. So that's next year. Yeah. You said after the holidays or during yeah. the holidays. Next year is not far now. So. Did you say after the holidays or during the holidays? Okay. Holidays in China is like February. Oh so my goodness. Let we me don't just have this don't worry don't worry forget holiday. forget that i sent i i recommended those books to you so let's why <laughs> let's move to the next book <laughs> no no okay fine i'll check it out but i don't think i would read it at this period i'm just i'm not i'm just being realistic mm. but i will check them out i promise mm. i'll try to get a hard copy So petty, Jesus! Oh yeah, the third book. <laughs> Are we not grading this? Or okay. just give it automatic yes, yes, ten yes, over yes, ten? Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Thanks for reminding me. For me, it's a nine. But for you, what what would you give the book? I guess ten. Really? Mm, I really, yeah, I do. So what? And the book is not thick. Have you seen the book? Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not, it doesn't have a lot I, of I pages, didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it carries it wasn't weight. the hard copy I read anyway, it was the, the soft uh, copy. It doesn't, it's very, very So if you, give, if you are giving this one a 10, like that. that means you would give crime and punishment like an 11. <laughs> I hope so. Actually, I have crime and punishment in my cart, but I don't know why I've not been able to actually buy it. You should check it out. But I'll check it out. The, one of the greatest books novels of all time superb um mm, i'll be the judge of that trust me if i tell you something is good it's good <gasps> i have good taste so the thought oh my god so cocky <laughs> the third book <laughs> <laughs> so the third book is by igoni barrett yeah and it's called black ass mm. no come on why are you acting like you can speak Yoruba like that? I can speak Yoruba like that. No. Stop it. You can't. Person, the last person agreed to, to, to um, talk for me. She agreed to teach me. Unlike you, you are asking for $1,500. I'll be 2500 to teach me Yoruba. Can you imagine? Ah, see, everybody is hustling in their own way, so I am allowed. <laughs> so, black ass. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's by Goni Barrett, a Nigerian author, and my head is spinning me. Sorry, <laughs> it's almost four a.m. <laughs> <I'm serious. laughs> yes. Okay, so black ass. So it talks about this guy called Furo, Furo Wari Kobo, I think. Furo. Yeah. That's Furo. the name of the guy. <laughs> don't try it. No, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do try that. To the <laughs> We've had this argument before. It is furo. yes, and I'm telling you that it's not Yoruba furo. Like, I think it's another. 
can't you see what the guy was trying to do? It was written by it's a Nigerian no. author. The name of the book is Black Ass, Black Bomb Bomb, for means bomb bomb in Yoruba. Like <laughs> Yeah, but the book the book has no nothing it has nothing to do with Yoruba. Nothing can be no, more obvious than nothing. that. It was intentional. Calling the guy Furo of all not. names. Called I, him think Furo. Furo, I think Furo means something else in another language. But, but why Furo Of all African names. Why Furo? Why not Furo? Why Furo? Also, what if it's not even Furo? What if it's Furo? I, I don't know. It has to be Furo. <laughs> you can't if see. It's, it's a lie. It's, it's a lie. Furo, you cannot decide that you're going to use the, the Furo, Yoruba the version. Hmm? I say if the, if it's not Furo, the guy fuck up. He fuck up big time. Nice, I'll be. But you know, the book actually doesn't... It has a lot of, you know... Um, if you check the... What's that word? People's reviews. They weren't so impressed with the book. So, yeah, maybe. Mm. Anyways. Black ass. So, what happens? Yeah. There's a man called Furo who has no connection. Just a guy that got out of uh, uni and all, he, all he's got is his CV in a country called Nigeria. And uh, his parents also are not so buoyant. I think the uh, most intelligent one in the family is his younger sister. So he was just, you know, trying to... He was just trying to hustle his way out of things. So, obviously, you know, he's already at the detrimental end of things. Yeah. So, for us, been looking for a job up and down. He couldn't get a job. And man was frustrated in Lagos. Cause, <laughs> so, he was really frustrated. And then the, the scene comes in where he sleeps after having lots of, you know, thoughts about life and all of that. And he wakes up the next day and he's a white man <laughs> <laughs> a white man with a black ass actually so i guess that's where the black ass well, comes in was, why was that why was that so important like if you're if you're light-skinned and your ass is black no one would know so why is it that important well that was why i took the book off the shelf last year <laughs> because of so i don't know <laughs> Yeah, the description at the back says what happens, blah blah blah, to a man who wakes up and he has a black ass. They be like, oh my god, black are, ass. Honestly. How much what? How much of a perv you are? Honestly speaking. No, it's just interesting. Mm. It was captivating, to be very honest. It wasn't about <laughs> it wasn't about the literal ass. I just felt like okay, it'll be interesting. Mm. That's why I picked the book. Anyways, so. Um, Furo has a black ass and he's a white man and the book uh, gives this well I would say reality because it's still happening where he gets preferential treatments just because he's white first he he manages uh, to sneak out of the house without anybody seeing him and when he was walking on the same road he has been walking through, everyone just keeps staring at him and just looking at him. I don't think that staring part is still valid till date. Mm. But everyone was staring like white man, Oibo, that kind of vibe. And then there was this lady who later becomes his girlfriend who was so nice to him. Like people just generally became nicer to him. So he goes to the job interview and people were staring at him, all of that. 
and when he enters the guy who was supposed to interview him was mm-hmm. angry because he had a nigerian cv so make it make sense but then the boss comes in and the boss is like oh come in and he checks his cv and gives him a much much higher position which he would realize that is because he was white and um wait what was it taking yeah i think it was a sales um sales rep kind of job i think yeah he was supposed to sell books yeah so basically yeah preferential treatment um, and then he goes i'm trying to remember the book because i'm tired already and then he decides to look for a place where you would find more white people and goes to i think palms and that's where he meets Igoni, mm. which was the author's name as well yeah so i think also Igoni had this identity crisis as well where he became a lady something like that but going down towards the book you realize that the book seems rushed and the 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 book it had this um sorry there's this word i'm looking for it gave this it gave the promise that it was going to be you know interesting it was going to explore you know what was happening in nigeria or lagos to be specific with you know Neocolonial, that word, yeah. neocolonialism. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. But then it became a bit rushed. It became arrogant. It wasn't good. The ending wasn't good. But the only reason why I brought this book in is to discuss that preferential treatment mm. white people get, despite wrestling in the country, like despite the fact that we're in the twenty-first century. Yeah. That was what. That's the. That's the only reason why I brought this book in. Yeah. So, yes, I want to hear your point. Um, so, you, you've talked about it already. You mentioned neocolonialism. I think that's basically, um, and the fact that we've been exposed to so much Western material, material in, like, when I say material, I mean um, Hollywood, um, their books, their songs. So, when you you watch someone on TV all the time, you see them on the on on newspapers and all that stuff, you kind of elevate even amongst ourselves, amongst black people. If you constantly see someone on the TV, you you tend to elevate that person, give them a status that might not necessarily be should not necessarily be ascribed to them, right? But because you see them on the TV, I'm just using my own explanation anyway so we see white people all the time and also i wouldn't want to say i wouldn't want to say that um is because it's solely because of these people because started to think again because i'm thinking about the answer right now um i wouldn't want to say that it is mainly because these people colonized us and it was there was this master slave um dynamics between us and them right because even within our our age group right because the 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 generation of people that were colonized like are so to speak almost if not dead almost dead right so we didn't have that same dynamics that our parents or grandparents had so i wouldn't say it was solely because of that master slave dynamic so that's why I mentioned the materials we've been exposed to a lot. 
the uh, movies, uh, songs, and all that stuff. So we've been exposed to all of that, seeing people on TV, hear them on radio all the time. And when you see them, it's like... And then there is this novelty phenomena. You see someone that is white for the first time. You try to... Like, you, 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 you can never act as normal as seeing someone that you see regularly, right? So there are two ways to react when you see someone of a different skin color than you, that you are seeing for the first time. It's either the feeling of disgust or the feeling of um, exaltation, right? Um, we can't feel, we don't feel disgust because of what we see on TV. What Hollywood shows us is the best side of America, right? Or the best side of the UK or best side of these Western countries. We listen to their best music and all that stuff. So we don't necessarily have that feeling of disgust when we see them. Um, we have, we exhort them. Oh, we, we, we automatically, automatically, automatically think they are better than us, right? That is what I mm. think. Um, compared to like, I, I remember the, there was a video you posted one time and you're saying that the, a Chinese woman saw you, saw your hair and, um, for the first time and she was intrigued by it. And, um, I've had similar people complain, like in China, saying that, they met some people that have never seen black people in their lives and they were disgusted by them. Do you understand? So basically, if you ask those people that are disgusted by black people, they probably haven't watched or seen anything black, right? Or African in their lives. And even if they have, maybe what Hollywood has sold to them is, oh, they are... um they are gangsters, they maim, they kill, and all that stuff. They are the bad guys. So I, that's why I said the materials the materials you're exposed to play, they play a long way in how we react to having people of different colors in within our midst. Mm. Mm. I don't know if that answers your question. So I agree with the, what we see or what is being sold to us. But you see this master-slave dynamics, yeah? I feel like one thing we as, well, let's say Blacks, feel yeah. to realize is that most of these things that, even though we did not face them, yeah. they are still affecting us still now. It's like all this when they see a generational curse. Yeah. That's the vibe. I feel like Despite the fact that we did not have this first-hand interaction with racism, yeah. with slavery, sorry, we're still deeply affected by it. Especially, I don't know, in Africa, yeah. most of most African countries, to be honest, yeah, because we, most of our rulers, especially, tend to, and and the, the rulers basically, what am I saying, rulers? The what are they called? Government officials, sorry. The government officials are still sort of in that master slavery, master slave kind of vibe. And they still want to, you know. True. They even want to treat the average black person as slaves. Where I was coming from was in, I, I, I totally agree with you on our officials and our government basically still have that mentality. But I was talking from the perspective of the average Nigerian on the street. Like, why, mm. let's, for example, uh, 
an average young man let's say 25 on the street why would he rather um give preferential preferential treatment to a white person than to his fellow black man well you could say i mean i don't know if i'm overreaching here but yeah it could be that due to well black people having no political power and no economical power yeah you see an average black man you want to give him a job first thing you're thinking hmm, it's probably going to mess up and then everyone messes up in the country so yeah. how are we sure he's going to do the right thing yeah. but you see the white man whether you're thinking of, of it consciously or subconsciously or you don't even know where it's coming from but you're probably thinking okay he's probably going to do the job well he's probably coming from a country that works they do everything right mm-hmm. so they follow the correct guidelines so mm-hmm. yeah he's going to do fine most times we tend to forget the fact that most of the africans in diaspora most of africans abroad are also doing the exact right thing just because the system works yeah and it's not because of the black man it's more about the system not working yes also we've we've sort of you know downplayed our uh you know wins when a black man does something so great yeah we don't we don't celebrate them Mm-hmm. But let a white man or someone of other color do something and the whole world is hearing about it. No one is celebrating the average black man for what he has done. Mm-hmm. You find out that lots of innovations were made, some were made by black people and you, you're just finding out now. And then, I don't know for other African countries, but me personally, I feel like what happened to us with our history, they sugarcoated it in secondary school and primary school. I don't know why, but... They made it seem like it was nothing. We didn't really have this understanding of what has, what you know, what happened to our ancestors, mm-hmm. how it's affecting us right now. What's the, why it is still affecting us? They just okay, Lord, look at this, this. Okay, this happened, and then okay, yeah, the white man has this. The white man named this. Mm-hmm. That was it. We don't understand what's gone, like what's happened. We don't understand, and even if things are happening in um, other countries. Yeah. Whatever is brought in into Africa is just a great part of it. Mm-hmm. And the damages other cultures or other races have done to black race, we tend to, you know, overlook them. We have this sort of sympathy, not sympathy, but forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness mentality. We don't learn from it. We just move on and cope with it. Mm-hmm. So I think most, most of those things are, you know, you bring everything together that's what's affecting us generally so, let me ask this question so you say if nigeria for example we elevate ourselves um we elevate ourselves from being a third world country to like say a first world country we now have um this economic um power so to speak do you think the way we view a white person would change drastically. I don't know if the way we we view the white person would change drastically, but I do know the way they would view us would change drastically. No, no. The, and, the, the question isn't how they view us. Like the the subject now isn't. We don't really care about how they view us. It's about how we view them. Do you get? Honestly, yes. You know what? Yes, it mm. would. It would. It would definitely would. If you have the political, if you, you know, okay, not just political power. If we have the economic power, if we 
get things done if we actually start exporting if our money has value yeah you will tend to actually see value in yourself as a person yeah i don't know if i, I told you that time when the end stars movement was going on i said this is the very first time as a nigerian i've ever been proud of being nigerian. nigerian yeah yeah same here so like you sort of see value in yourself when mm-hmm. things start to work yeah by your people for your people like okay yes this is my country this is what my country is doing yeah. i don't have to look outside to actually look for something better that kind yeah. of vibe yeah. so I, I i strongly feel so exactly which which you've, you've been able to um, reinforce my point that is based on what we see out there we our system isn't working if you have been honest at all right so you see you see you watch someone from another country like a white person their system their systems are working the system is working i mean and they built the system up by themselves they unconsciously it's like psychologically you 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 tend to like think that person is better than you sort of do you get compared to let's say let's say let's say the reverse was the case now and um the white the white person or the white white society okay caucasian societies where had the economic strength of the black community right of africans and we had their own economic strength right i think they would also view us as superior too if what they are being fed, like when they are, whatever they are reading, whatever they are watching and all that stuff is how superior the black race is, do you get? So I think it's mm. basically, it's basically that we see, we see them, we hear them all the time and whatever we see and hear, we see that is better than what we have here. So we just unintentionally, unconsciously just elevate them give them something give them elevate them to a status that they should not attain um ideally because if you a white a white let's say a black child of like 15 years and has never read or watched anything about um about white people he has never watched a a, a movie that had white people or or listen to their their songs or any of that stuff and he sees a white person for the first time do you think he's going to exalt him he's going to feel like oh this is a superior man no trick it it's the same mm-hmm. way the chinese an average chinese person i'm sorry i'm using chinese chinese other because for obvious reasons <laughs> but like a chinese person what do you mean for obvious for obvious reasons now you did china <laughs> so okay. like a chinese person because because i'm sure there are some chinese people that have never seen black people before right yes mm-hmm. like, see a black person for the first time probably never heard anything as i said it's either two things it's either they are they are intrigued in a positive way by what you know saying, you know that thing that thing is true about we're saying that it's actually quite true what we are being fed what the media feeds us as well because mm. yes i remember there was this chinese lady i met somewhere and then we exchanged you know contacts and she texted me one day and she was like is that how you people eat mm. and i'm wondering yeah. what does she mean i'm like what do you mean and then she sends me this video 
of this Chinese, you know, a lot of Chinese construction workers are yeah. in Africa currently. And they go to the villages, obviously. So the guy records the lady eating rice. It was rice and stew with her bare hands. Mm. And she, she, the, the Chinese lady asked me, that, is that how you guys eat? And I'm like, no, we use cutleries. We use spoon. We use fork. And all that. Yeah. We don't use chopsticks, obviously. But... And then she was like, okay, then is that how you guys transport things? And then she sends me another video of this lady. You know how this... Um, there's something they call them in Lagos, um, Alabaru, people yeah, that carry yeah, things yeah, like yeah, for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, is that how you guys transport things? And I'm like, wait, no, that's not how. <laughs> it's just what you're seeing. And that's honestly, not, it's that's not, not our fault. entirely what Africa it's is all about. Do you get it? It's not yeah. fault. And to me, too, before, because I work, I work for a Chinese, Chinese company, um, I used to think that Chinese people, like, on an average, were, like, really smarter than us. Do you get smarter than... than (laughs) Do you understand? Like, the things I've read about them, the things, like, I see them... They used to do this documentary one time on channels about Chinese people making robots, robots that can fight each other and all that stuff. So, um, I entered this company, and for the first couple of months, I was expecting, like, to... Conversing with them, that these people are meant to blow bust my head do you understand and i saw that almost these guys are actually not as smart as i thought <laughs> it's still, it still boils down to lack of lack of economical power because here in china yeah before they put anything out yeah to the media i've been i've, I've actually been in a couple of things like over here yeah even with school and everything we plan for these things mm-hmm. they repaint they like you know you have to push yourself up for yeah, all of these things they, they, they love good, that they do that a lot all of that they do that so you lot. need to be well presentable for her because you're representing the whole country yeah so they understand what that means and they sort of obviously i mean forget china and uh, communism but they they also control what the media does so does the u.s even though it's democrat, it's a democratic country, mm. they control what is going out. The majority of things they are feeding the other countries. Yeah. But you see, black people, what can we control? Most of the things are not even ours. So how can we even control it? And the, the government is not helping. So we have no power. At the end of the day, we, yeah. we just, you know, mm. it's unfortunate. But and it's and, and I'm, I strongly think racism, right, would reduce drastically when we start to yes. depict our countries in good in the in a good light right we we mm-hmm. show the we show the good side of of nigeria for instance our our food our our songs For our reason. books our movies they're showing the best part of nigeria basically people look look at that look at that woman for example that was asking you that is this the way we transport things is this the way you, you can't you can't blame them there are a lot of white people that think we still live in huts we still run our there are a lot of black americans that yes, still think we live that, in huts yes, can you imagine so basically representation how 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 as you said you two shop yourself how do you put up your put out put yourself out there right how do you l- let people see you in what light do you, you know make our them government see you? our governments are also too old school they are yes. not even realizing the effect of publicity exactly 
Exactly. You guys will be fighting in the House of Assembly. Exactly. You will be having very meaningless conversations. When you guys want to make any comments, it's about NSAs, like mm. useless things. The country is in recession. There's the massacre in the north. And like Mohammed said, nothing. That you're doing nothing. CNN. Rather, you're coming here to come and talk about useless things, and everybody's just seeing you as a joke. Mm. Like Mohammed coming out to say we sue CNN. Like you get that kind of thing. Mm. So it's like, oh, if the people, if the people elected are jokes, why should I expect anything good from the country? Exactly. Exactly. So representation is is important, and we we love to talk about oh neo colonialism. Yes, to a degree, it did, but if you are being honest, a bulk of it is how we, we represent our people, country. What have we done? Yeah, what have we done to to elevate ourselves to in better? I remember like, there was a video. For example, there was a video where Jidena comes to Nigeria. I can't remember which which year. Yeah. And he was trying to cross Lagos and he was saying, uh, this is a jungle, blah, blah, blah. Developed countries are, so, I, I mean, China, right? Very yeah. developed countries. Sometimes we have this kind of things happening. But you don't see anybody posting online and saying, no celebrity would have the fucking audacity to say, this is a jungle. They will arrest him. They will arrest him straight up. Like, you can't just come and say nonsense about the country. So those kind of things, even as black people, we tend to, you know, bring ourselves down. Yeah. And if the black person is trying to say, you guys need to stop. They say, oh, you're trying to act white. You're mm, trying to act, act different. Sh- but, like... <laughs> but hopefully we'll be fine. Yeah. Th- th- thank God you, you brought up that, you asked me that question because it was a very nice conversation. I mean, that particular one about um how we, well, we give preferential treatment. yeah give give the white people preferential treatment it's been a good one actually it's been a really good one um <laughs> why are you why are you laughing why are you laughing because finally we are done i can't actually even believe it mm. it's 4 13 a.m but i'm finally happy we are done don't worry i'll i'll make it up to you <laughs> for staying up to 4 30. Um I wanted to say something just now. Ah, forgotten. Yeah, so what would you grade this book? Oh, probably four and a half. Okay, but it brought out it brought out an interesting conversation, so let's give it five. Five, innit? Okay. Yeah. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. How about you? I haven't read the book, but based on what you said, um, a four. Mm. A four. Possibly, yeah. Because if I'm being honest, I'm not really keen on on this kind of books. On reading this kind of books, mm. I mean. Um all these them funny ass comedy fictional books. There's a he has a bit of comedy in it, and, yeah? Yeah, it's not those, I guess. Mm. It just brings out the Lagos parts, you know, the Nigerian parts of life. Like, you know how, even though we're going through things, do you still find a way to, you know, insert comedy somewhere? Mm. Mm. So, um, let me let me end by asking you this question. You've seen Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah. So who, wait, the cartoon, right? This cartoon series. 
What the fuck for panda to you know? I know this, okay, I don't know what you said. Okay, yes, yes. No, 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 no. Which other Kung Fu Panda do you know? No, you said Maybe you know something I don't know. Panda. Huh? No, you said, when you said you've seen Kung Fu Panda, uh. I'm wondering, are you talking about the movie? I don't even know if there's a movie, but I'm thinking the series. Whichever one. So, it's a... Okay, yeah. So, who is your master Shifu? <laughs> Interesting. Why are you laughing? Like, I, did I crack any joke here? This is out of context. I'm I, know, I, know, why. I know. I know. I know. Um, basically, think, every think, and anybody. What? No one on earth gives more political answers than you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, you drive you drive really well in the political scene, I swear to God. <laughs> well let me explain why. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not accepting the answer. Mm-mm, no but you can see you're not accepting my answer. It's my <laughs> answer. Ba- I don't agree. How <laughs> you say everybody's <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill me, please. Don't don't fucking kill me. See, see, yeah. Life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, see, the thing is, with the way I live my life, yeah, I don't have one person I can just say, okay, yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's, okay, I, I guess only the Bible has been quite static in my life, like always there and all of that. But generally, I wouldn't say Kung Fu Panda is a cartoon. It's understandable if it's in that kind of setting and then you have just one master. Mm. For me, nah, it doesn't work that way for me. So I would say even the most foolish person, okay, there are people who would think it's foolish. You could still get some wisdom from it or something you can learn from it. Mm-hmm. So yes. Do you from Kung Fu Panda? Huh? Do you mean from No, no, no. I'm trying to say like, I'm trying to say that Generally, like with with um with reality here. Okay. You could learn something from someone who people think is very foolish. Yes. 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 Okay. So yeah, everybody and anybody. But so I can see the been, Bible been, and books. I've been Master Shifu at some point in your life. I'm presently Master Shifu. Well, yes, honestly, like I wouldn't lie. So yes. Hmm. I've actually right. gotten some really good advices or recommendations from you. So, yes. Mm. Mm. You're welcome. It wasn't by choice, but... Mm. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, thank you so wait, much. Wait, wait, wait. No, don't do that. Don't do that. How about I, you? I know you were about to do that. So, thank you so much. Don't do that. Oh, uh, so who is my master Shifu? Um, I think mine is not, it's not a person, like a living person, right? Um, mine is basically people that I have been following on social okay. media, on, on, on YouTube, 
following their lives, following their books, reading their books, watching their videos, and they've shaped who I am at the moment. Um, an example, so I'll just give one example, but there are, there are a couple of them. An example is Jordan Peterson. He has really shaped my life in different ways. The way I have conversations with people, the way I listen to people, because I know there there's a law in one of his books that listen to the next person as if there is something he knows that you don't. Always, always do that, regardless of how foolish the person might seem. But there is something that person knows that you don't. So that's really shaped, um, shaped my idea on how I communicate with other people. I'm just giving you an example of how he has shaped my life. So basically, Jordan Peterson is someone I would say is or has been my master shifu, and is still my master shifu. There are a couple of other people too, and as you said, like. I'm not you. I'm not going to give that political answer for everybody and anybody. But there are different people, but you just, specific I, 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 people that have had specific influences in my life. Just few of the them. The principle, the principle you just gave is still the answer I gave. No, it's not. You said, "Listen to the next person." Blah blah blah. And I said, "Everybody and anybody." That was an example. See, just accept my answer. It is broad enough to entertain everything. So, yeah. Also, I just realized that you said Master Shifu, right? Because I think the last time I watched Comfort Panda was on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And that's been a while. Yeah. Shifu, now that I'm in China, means Master. So, basically, that's just Master Master. Passed <laughs> <laughs> my brain. Like, so just, I, I think I, need, I think I need to watch it again because there are a lot of really deep stuff and really funny stuff that I, I I didn't catch when I was much younger, right? And this is also one of the funny like this is learning this from you, Shifu means master, so master master. So I mean there'll be there'll be a lot of um hidden little little mm. jokes here and there yeah that I probably missed. When I was younger, so I think I'll see it again. I'll watch it again. Um. So thank you, Tosi. I really appreciate this. I I'm I'm flattered that you do this for me. Um. Stay up all night after multiple trials and failures. I know. <laughs> I got frustrated at some point. <laughs> it's not my fault. It was it was your fault basically. But we thank God nonetheless. Um, yeah, we thank God. Yeah, thank you so much. And for everyone that has listened to this, thank you and goodbye. Hi.